0: I'm the only one of the candidates who has laid out a precise program for stopping the rise in crime and for re-establishing freedom from fear. That's the difference between Nixon and Wallace. Hello, my name is Arush Mrowthra, and welcome to episode one of Unjustified. Throughout this podcast series, we're going to be taking a deeper look into all the inherent injustices that are being committed at every step of our criminal justice system. In this first episode, we take a look at the story of Kenneth Young. Kenneth Young was born on June 15, 1985, in Tampa, Florida. Now, when you think about Tampa, you might think about the beaches, you might think about the high rise office buildings, or you might even think about the Buccaneers football stadium. But Kenneth grew up in a much different part of Tampa. He grew up in Suitcase City, which has the highest crime rate in the state. Suitcase City got its name because it was a neighborhood nobody would settle down in, or perhaps it would be better to say nobody could settle down there. You would walk along the streets and see abandoned, boarded up houses on every block. These were the houses that people had lost from foreclosures or walked away from as real estate values plummeted. Kenneth's father died before his first birthday and Kenneth was left to be raised by his mother. However, his mother was a victim of one of the largest public health epidemics in America. Crack cocaine. Crack cocaine. Crack cocaine. It's called both rock and crack, but no matter what you call it, it is nearly pure cocaine and it can kill. Kenneth was left at home alone For sometimes multiple days, because of his mother's addiction problems, the only other family he had was his older sister, who at the age of 15 had her first child. Kenneth, who was just 11 years old at the time, was forced to drop out of school to take care of his niece. Because of all the time Kenneth spent alone, he became more and more exposed to all the criminal activity taking place in his community. Just two weeks before he turned 15. Kenneth was approached by his mother's 24-year-old drug dealer, JK Bathea. Bathea threatened Kenneth, saying that if he didn't help him commit some robberies, he would kill his mother. Because of this, between June 5th and July 1st, Kenneth and Bathea committed four armed robberies around the Tampa Bay area. Following the last robbery, both Kenneth and Bathea were caught and arrested by the police. Kenneth despite being just 15 years old at the time, was tried as an adult and sentenced to four consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole. Jake Batia, on the other hand, despite being the one carrying the firearm during these robberies, was sentenced to only one life sentence. There are no violent offenses that are juvenile. You rape somebody, you're an adult. You shoot somebody, you're an adult. But the very fact of the matter remains that Kenneth did neither of these things. All he was was complicit in a robbery under the threat of his mother's life. In fact, Kenneth had just one job during these robberies. The only thing you told me to do was get the money and the tapes and that was it. And he what would, tapes? Like videotapes from the video cameras. The security cameras? Yes, sir. And you did that? Yes, sir. By 2006, all of Kenneth's appeals had been denied. In 2009, his last hope for clemency from the Florida's governor's office was also denied. Then, in 2010, the US Supreme Court, in the case of Graham v. Florida, declared it unconstitutional to sentence a juvenile to life in prison without parole in the case of non-homicidal crimes, such as Kennett's. This ruling essentially vacated Kennett's life without parole sentences, and at his 2011 resentencing hearing, when he was 26 years old, Kenneth was re-sentenced to a 30-year term, followed by 10 years of probation. Kenneth is currently set for release in 2030 and is continuing to appeal seeking early release. The United States is still the only country in the world to sentence children to die in prison. Furthermore, African-American youth are sentenced to life without parole 10 times more often than their white counterparts. Because there is no national database tracking youth serving adult sentences and the age at which an individual is actually considered an adult varies by state, the exact number of youth serving life without parole is not known. However, a study published in 2013 by the Sentencing Project estimates that more than 2,500 juvenile inmates are currently serving life without parole sentences and 7,862 total inmates are serving life sentences without the possibility of parole for crimes committed before 18 years of age. The juvenile justice system in the United States was built on the idea that an individual's ability to understand right and wrong as well as the consequences of his or her decisions is not completely formed until adulthood when psychological and physiological capacities are fully developed. The first juvenile court in the United States authorized by the Illinois Juvenile Court Act of 1899 was established in Chicago and within just 30 years nearly every state had created a similar system. Juvenile courts are civil in nature meaning that the attention is focused on the individual who committed the crime. This differentiates the system from the criminal nature of the adult justice system which focuses more on the crimes themselves. However, around 250,000 youth are tried sentenced, or incarcerated as adults in the United States every year. Being tried as an adult means you are not afforded the same protection under the law as a juvenile. However, there are people like Brian Stevenson, founder and executive director of the Equal Justice Initiative, who are fighting for our rights every day and are upholding the democratic ideals our justice system was intended to be founded upon. everyone can make a difference. Uh, I'm persuaded that uh, any one of us can stand when other people are sitting and make a statement. Any one of us can speak when other people are, spe- are silent and, and do something transformative. Um, you know I think for me I'm persuaded that injustice prevails where hopelessness persists and we need hopeful people to be witnesses. Uh, to why justice matters, why it's important to be fair, why it's important that there be equality. Thank you for listening to the first episode of Unjustified. And remember that injustice prevails where hopelessness persists.